This is Vixen John, creator of Minute Made New York, and you're listening to Minutes Heard. On this episode of Minutes Heard, you're going to hear my conversation with an amazing artist named Kennedy Yanko. We had the opportunity to meet a few years ago at an art event, and ever since then, I've been following her work and her journey in New York City. I had the chance to sit down with her in her studio as she was preparing for a solo show that was happening in a few weeks, and have an opportunity to see her in her process and learn all about her, where she's come from, where she is now, and her process when it comes to art. So sit back and take a listen. Because I know that people are very, like, you know, camera shy or whatever. I found that artists always have the most trouble talking. I wonder why. Because we, we understand things with our hands. You or talk, we, talk through your heart? Is that yeah, it? I mean, or, or whatever way we choose to, to share what we're trying to do is usually not verbally. Mm. Except there are a few artists who are just, like, incredibly eloquent and amazing. It's, it's, it's weird because it's either one, the other, and it's never in between. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just like, look, I just like the art speak for me, whatever. I'm I went behind the scenes. I went to an opening the other day and this, the curator came up and she had this amazing speech and she spoke really clearly and beautifully and then the, the artist came up and he like, you every, you could barely hear what he was saying. The microphone, oh, you just took that shot. Awesome. Mm. Um, the microphone kept like moving and all you heard was him say thank you about 15 times and then Put the phone down. So <laughs> it was cute. <clears throat> okay, that was all recording for. This is all going to be great. It's all <laughs> going to be great audio. Um, okay. You'll edit it. Uh, yeah, somehow. I, the podcast. Hasn't so you haven't started. started the podcast. No, yet. no, no, no. I, I just been collecting all the uh, interviews that I've done in the past and kind of just kind of set it in a form. Mm-hmm. So soon come, soon come. So you'll be you'll be on an episode. Cool. I love podcasts. Really? Yeah, I listen to them. All day in my studio. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's 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 a good way to jam out. Yeah, it just kind of keeps me focused, and then I don't hear myself think. What are your favorite podcasts? There's a wonderful podcast called Deep Color mm-hmm. uh, by Joseph Hart. He's another artist, and he interviews other artists. Mm. Um, and that's actually that's helped me feel more comfortable speaking about my work. Um, just seeing just like how large the spectrum is of how you know like just how people interact or talk about their work. Um, and I love Oprah's podcast. Oprah, Oprah. Super Soul Sunday oh is amazing. Oh, wait. Okay, I know the show. I, I didn't know she had a podcast. The podcast is phenomenal. Or do they convert the show into a podcast? No, it's it's actually, it's literally, it's shot in her backyard in in Maui mm-hmm. underneath a tree. Of course. And she brings people in, they sit on the porch, and they talk about life and the universe beyond. And That's so Oprah. I know, she's the best. She's Nobody really, else could do that except I know, her. she's on some other shit. Yeah. I really love Oprah. She is a angel amongst men. <laughs> and the other, my last one that I love is How I Built This with uh, Guy Rezzi. It's about all these entrepreneurs who basically like tell their story of how they got to where they were. And um, it's, I don't know, it's just really humanizing yeah. uh, of these just bajillionaire entrepreneurs who came from nothing, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. I, I listen to more like political, like, political satire podcast so like um there's a good one called ooh, can't remember words at this point um nagin farsad he she's a comedian slash political commentary person um fake the nation that's mm-hmm. what it's called so i mean i when it comes to politics i don't usually digest it the 
raw way, <laughs> where it's like, I guess the C-SPAN version of it, where it's like very dry and boring. And that's the I only need, way to really know what's going on. Right. But I need, I need the comedic element to be like intermixed with the politics for me to digest it well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you could just watch Fox News. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not really funny. <laughs> Even though they're all jokers, but yeah, no. Not that type of funny. I'm talking about more like Daily Show-ish type funny. You know, I heard a comedian talking the other day about how she's... They were saying, they're like, it's not our job to report the news. Mm-hmm. Yet there are so many comedians that people rely on, like Jon Stewart, um, just for like, you know, updates of what's going on in, in the world climate. Right. Isn't that kind of wild, though? I mean, it's funny how people don't rely on the news, but they rely on those other types of mm-hmm, forms mm-hmm. to, like, get the news. Because the news is depressing. You know what I'm saying? It is. It's, so it's absolutely depressing. propaganda. It's, the news is depression and the weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Mm. So it's just like, you know, how do you kind of digest all that bitterness? You take it with some honey. Mm-hmm. Honey being the comedy. But enough about that. Let's get into you. Let's talk about you for a bit. Um, so, yes. Um, so, yes. The first time I met you was at Bath Gallery, Brooklyn Arts Fellowship. And I met you. You looked completely different, which is a good thing. Or I don't know. I mean, did you go through Why, a transfer? Were you thought I was ugly or something? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> at that point. I, Thanks, I, dude. I, I can't even remember the event, though. No, no. I mean, different in a good way. I mean, yeah, obviously, I, I don't know if you we went through I'm a transformation. Totally with you. Oh, I just lost a bunch of weight. Okay. And shaved my head. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. I was sarcastic. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so how long have you been doing your art stuff? Uh, I have been working since I was, well, I started, I had a studio when I was like 12. Mm. And when I was 15 years old, I started showing my work. So I would go to coffee shops and restaurants and I would ask them, oh, could I can I do an art show in here? And I would make a little body of work and I'd invite my friends. And um, I did that. And, and then when I was 18, I did a show in Miami. Um, and I, I was selling work out of my studio. And then I went to the San Francisco Art Institute. Um, I went there for a year and I dropped out, not because I didn't love school, because I actually really enjoyed school. I loved lectures. I, I, the, the idea of being in the studio all day and reading and researching and being patted on the back by society was like <laughs> a dream come true. But for me at that time, after having been like pretty, uh, pretty much like solid and understanding like my business and what I was trying to do, and then also having a pretty regular studio practice, I just felt like it was kind of safe. So I dropped out of school after a year and I moved to New York. Um, and in New York, I started working with this place called The Living Theater. And they were a, a really famous avant-garde political activist theater company. And I had no interest in performing whatsoever. I had just, I actually, when I did go to school in San Francisco, I started new genres. I was, um, I went for painting and art history, but I fell in love with new genres and I learned about installation work. I learned about artists like Anne Hamilton and Ofra Liaison and Tara Donovan and these people who were making these incredible environments. Uh, and that just changed everything for me. That opened up worlds for me. So when I came to New York, I had an installation that I wanted to network. So I go to Judith Malena. She's like this old, old lady who's been all over the world. She's like a little witch. And she, she would, you know, she was like, all right, fine. You can come, you can come work with us. No worries. Just do your thing. Just get your work done. And I ended up performing with them for four years. So it was all 
you know, really experimental, interactive theater. It wasn't, I wouldn't call, I would never really call that acting for myself. Um, but it was interesting and it was really informative to my practice it, with it being a really physical practice and then also just um, understanding a different aspect of um, philosophy and psychology. We did a lot of studying around um, learning more about anarchy and learning more about the philosophers that had like talked about that and Marxism, communism, things that they don't really talk about in school. Mm. Um, so that was, it was informative to me. It was fucking, it sucked, <laughs> but it was awesome. I was living in a basement uh, in a dressing room for four years and uh, I lived with like 10 other actors. <laughs> well, some of them were actors, some of them were um music people, some of them were producers. Creatives. Creatives. And that's what yeah. the Living Theater was famous for. They were they were kind of this hub of creativity. And like in the 60s, Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac and Bob Dylan, like all these people were there kind of just hanging out and talking and creating. So coming to New York, that was a really interesting legacy to be welcomed into and to be a part of. Right. Mm. Yeah. No, I mean, I think especially in like today's day and age in the sense of having those type of collectives. Like for me, that's what Brick represents for me. Mm -hmm. Like, um, before Brick, well, Brick went through a transformation itself. It used to be just like a public access studio for Brooklyn. And then, uh, like within the past 10 years, I think it was 2000, uh, 2010? 2010, it went through like its big reform and then became Brick and it became like, you know, a mixture of performing arts and, um, you know, television and media and broadcast. And for them, they turned from the, this rinky-dinky, <laughs> you know, little studio that people could create TV shows to, to like a big blossoming, like, you know, structure that everyone could kind of like digest different forms of media. You know what I mean? So speaking of Brick, because I used to work there and I know that you had a ex exhibition there. Just kind of talk about that exhibition and like, you know, how that was received. So I was part of a group show called Alchemy, um, curated by Elizabeth and Jenny, and um, it was a really great experience for me. I had done a, I had done an installation uh, called 33 at Pulse during uh, Art Basel in Miami the year before, and they came to me and they said, hey, can you do something like that again? That'd be awesome. And I said, oh, I don't know. I've had, I've had this moss sitting around my studio for six months, and I got all this tin ceiling I've been wanting to work with. Let me see what I can do. Um, so, you know, it, th these were really the first opportunities that I've had to really start to do installation work since coming here from the Living Theater from San Francisco. And um, so when I was creating Feel For, it was just, it was really one step at a time. Like, I really had no idea how things were going to come together. Um, I was doing SketchUps, I was doing a lot of drawing, I was spending a lot of time with the materials. And um, yeah, it was interesting. It was a great show. What was your question, Don? I kind of got lost. No, no, just like um, in the sense of the exhibition at Brick, like how was it received? Like, you know, obviously from like the opening to like the closing, like did a lot of people react positively to it? Or yeah. did people like, oh my gosh, I saw your thing at Brick. It was amazing. Like, it was a great, it was a huge opportunity for me. It got me a lot of, um, a lot of people seeing my work in a different way and seeing something that I want, like that I ambitiously want to go after. Um, it was my first time actually bringing a performer in to work with me. So um, as opposed to actually being the performer, it was my first time kind of directing or, or you know, having her, letting her respond to the work um, and then creating things around her. So she was kind of like the muse for this in a way. Um, like I was making her kind of a, a temple. Um, but yeah, it was a great opportunity for me. Okay. 
Like, was that your first type of like you've done installations in the past, right? I haven't. I, I mean, I did thir- I did thirty three. I mean, I did a lot of set design at, at the Living Theater, but I had the thing is, is I have all these proposals. So when I so before you know I started getting like any traction in the art world and like meeting people, I didn't really have a community in the art world because I didn't go to school. So I was spending more time with like graffiti artists because they were the only emerging artists that I knew. So during that time, I was working through painting very much alone in my studio, but I was also writing all of these proposals for projects that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I had like ten things I could just pull out, you know. But it was a good practice for me to kind of figure out. Um, how this works, what does it look like, and then like what, how, what does it take for me to figure out something before it actually takes place. Um, so I had a pretty good you know, regimen and practice around preparing for something like that. Okay. Yeah, I, spent, I feel like those, those, those years after the Living Theater were spent preparing for something. <laughs> and when did, you, when did you move to New York again? I moved here in 2009. Okay, so, okay, so that makes... Ten years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. I actually just got my driver's license. <laughs> oh my god. I have had my my Missouri license forever. I've never even had a New York anything. So You're an it was kind New of a New Yeah, I'm a real New Yorker. You gotta get the accent. I know. I need to. I need to like work on all of it. <laughs> I'm too nice. But right. So all right. So ten years in the city. That's pretty amazing for most people. But like, when it comes to like your art career, like, do you feel that New York played a role in? your art in the sense of like how you kind of tackled it or you know did it help with your creation did new york play a role in that in the sense of just the space because i know a lot of people that move to new york for whatever type of aspiration that they have and they're attracted to the hustle of new york the busyness the vibe or whatever the case may be did that affect you when you moved here back in 09 or was it just like all right i just need a new backdrop <laughs> but at the same time i was still going to pursue these art you know endeavors you know what i mean New York definitely affected me in a massive way, um, partially because of the backbone it helped build, and that's why that was a big reason why I wanted to come here. I wanted to learn from some of the best people in my industry, and New York was a huge hub for that. Um, so when I came here, I mean, I didn't have studio space, so it was my first time without a studio when I was at the theater, um, and I, I and then I'd go back to St. Louis and I'd make a show there. So we'd be in production for like six months, and then I'd go to St. Louis for six months and work, or four or five months or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, New York makes everything harder. It's a beast and it's kind of like, you know, you have to work to just to get to work. You gotta go on the subway, take the bus, look at people, blah, blah, blah. Like there's just a lot going on. And so everything's a little bit more challenging than it is anywhere else in the United States. Just, I, I know you grew up here, but like New York is rough. And, and if you don't have any money, it really sucks. <laughs> I just, I remember I used to like carry my food around me with me because like I really couldn't afford to like just buy a sandwich, you know, it was cheaper for me to make stuff at home. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely taught me about uh, discipline and endurance and n- knowing how to get something done with so many obstacles in the way. Um, my art practice, though, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know because I don't know what it w- would have been like somewhere else. Right. You know? You can't really imagine it anywhere else because you moved here at, well, not really a young age, so to speak, but like you moved here with the intention, like, hey, this is what I want, this is where I want to see myself mm-hmm. to kind of create your art. You know yeah. What I'm so- I, d- I do, I will say though, having the opportunity to see artists that I admired greatly in person and to speak with them and to be in their studio was huge. I mean, that was an incredible um, imprint that it put on me to see, like, oh, this is what it looks like. Oh, this is what a studio day looks like. 
right. you know so that was that was really big for me and and something that's still I'm still like shocked that any of these artists ever let me talk to them for and, like, example uh, I mean Micheline Thomas is huge Rishi Johnson's right here Angel Angel Otero was the first artist that I ever met in New York and I was rollerblade I lived in the neighborhood it's right here in Bushwick by my studio and I was rolling down a rollerblading <laughs> down this hill and I see this big garage door open and I'm like oh wow look at that and so this guy comes out he's like hey what's going on how you doing I'm like hi can I come in and check it out he's like yeah sure come on in and I mean Angel was super nice to me and he was working in paint skins also and I had never seen I didn't I didn't know other artists knew what paint skins were or knew how to work like that and I was like yo you know I work in paint skins too so Angel came by my studio uh, like a week or a couple weeks later and I mean he's been like a brother and a mentor and just a really dear friend to me all the way through this um, and he I think he's one of the best living artists right now I mean he's so talented and brilliant um, so just even to be around that is just um, incredible and humbling just to know that these people are right here and they're cool and they're accessible you can they're, touch them well <laughs> yeah I mean it's uh, I, I can't even believe it it's amazing um, yeah yeah no that's great I mean so for me I love art I love art not just because it's like visually pleasing and whatever but because it it, it, it is an expression of the artist but at the same time it's like you get a piece of their brain you know what I mean? Like you as an artist, you are like something starts from a thought and then it conceptualizes into probably a drawing or whatever the case would be. I don't know how you kind of like structure your art, but then it's like, like everything that I see in the studio is from your brain. Like, you know how my blowing shit is like? Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm kind of like, oh my God, I made that. Right. That's crazy. So like everything that is here is a reflection of your like thoughts mm -hmm. and your dreams or whatever visions that you had. You know what I mean? It's not just like, all right, well... I have this material, whatever, I'm just going to bang, 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 and now it's a thing, you know? Like, you obviously have to, like, think, like, all right, you see a piece or you see something in your head, it's like, all right, I see the end product, now I just have to kind of, like, retrograde, or, or, like, not retrograde, but, like, work backwards <laughs> to go, like, how to create that, you know what I mean? I actually rarely see the end product, ever, for my work. a lot Because a lot of it is, like, a I'm responding to the materials that are in front of me. Mm. And even when I was a painter, you know, I was working kind of like an action painter doing early expre expressionistic abstract paintings. So it was really physical and vigorous and um, responsive and in the moment. Um, and when I think about pieces or work that I'm doing as dreams, it's not really that. It's all, like, these little particles from different... Uh, from like ev from an evolving practice and from like things that I had done before. Um, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so you so you basically see the materials and like, all right, what can I make from this? And then it kind of just evolves into the pieces that you see kind of in front of your face. So my process now, um, first I find whatever metal or whatever like. Uh, what's the word for it? Foundation I'm going to use for the piece that I'm doing. At first, I find that object, and then usually when I when I find the object, I can see something, something's being asked to be done there, and I'm and I respond to it, and then I do something else, and then I do something else. So there's a lot of like manipulation or figure or just like, and sometimes there's not very much at all. So first, I'm making basically like my canvas in a way, and I'm using metal to do that. Um, and when I when I find the material, I usually know like what the skin's going to look like. Um, and then it's like a lot of placing. So I, I kind of keep my practices a little separate, like my metal work and my, my pores and like the arranging. Um, 
And then in between that, it's all these like different experiments, like seeing how to make different kinds of skin, how different colors go together, um, how different things respond when they lay differently. Um, so that's kind of like what my process is like right now. What do you mean by skin? The skin, so paint skins. Okay. So I make, I pour paint and I make large skins and I use oh, paint. Oh, like you paint skin and then you peel it. Exactly. Ah. So I'm, I'm using paint as a structural material. Okay. I, I learned something too. That's why I laughed. Great. Learning is important. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like paint skin. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. No, that's pretty dope. Um, so you incorporate that into your art and, you know, is, um, I mean, do you, okay, obviously each thing that you work on, does it have a theme or it's kind of like each thing is kind of like its own separate entity? So I really like to be able to work on a show at a time or I, I guess like a series of work at a time where I'm kind of working with one idea or one material and um, working through it and trying a lot of different variations for it. So, f- for example, my solo show that's coming up, Highly Worked, um, it's all copper, and it was this 100-year, I'm assuming it's about a 100-year-old copper drain pipe um, that was oxidized, and, and all the patinas happened naturally outside just from being weathered. Um, and then I, like, you know, basically pretty much manipulated the pieces into different shapes and then incorporated them with a monochromatic paint skin, but the skins, the colors of the skins were chosen by the colors of the oxidation of the patina. So I'm, I'm thinking about them and I'm looking at them as paintings and, and kind of articulating that gesture of painting. Um, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't understand half of what that so, was. So, I mean, kind of so for a yeah. body of work, <laughs> like that gives me an opportunity to really figure out what something means to me and like really go through it, whether it's conceptually or physically. Mm-hmm. This is another body of work that I was doing of like two-toned work. So it's like really simple colored palettes. I was looking at an artist named Ann Truitt and I was picking colors from um, this photographer named Jackie Nickerson, her photo book, where she went to... Um, these small towns in Africa and she was taking pictures of the workers and the clothes that they would wear but they were these really interesting like ripped up plastic bags and different like kind of cool kind of ugly tone colors um, and that's kind of how I put this together and I'm experimenting with maybe putting plastic over it showing it in different ways yeah. Um, so yeah I like to kind of I usually don't think about pieces individually as much as, as I do like a whole series of work mm-hmm. okay yeah no that's awesome and yeah you mentioned like you see the material and then you kind of use that material to kind of base off of base what you're going to create from that Mm -hmm. right okay that's pretty awesome that's pretty dope cool 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 what other so what are the like the materials that you've worked with thus far like you said in my life well right you mentioned that this particular thing is copper but like I mean have you worked with like all like all types of metals or like specific Um, types well I just started welding about two years ago Mm -hmm. Um, so I've worked with steel all different kinds of metal copper uh, aluminum. Um, that's about it so far. How's welding? It's fun. Yeah, I'll show you later. Yeah, yeah it's really fun. Dope. Yeah, like you're just like have the mask on. And yeah, you're like, it feels cool. <laughs> like anything with fire is pretty awesome. You're attracted to fire. I'm. I wasn't before, but now I am. <laughs> you weren't before. I mean, it's an incredible thing to like bend this material. And, right. Yeah, it's very empowering and, and and it makes beautiful things. Yeah, no, fire. Fire is not dangerous. It's also transformative. Amen. As you've transformed. Amen. Look wow. at you. Are you a fire sign? No, I'm a, I'm a Libra. Okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> really? Wow. I'm not into wow. astrology, but I hear everyone's like, You just threw it out there like that, sign. like hoping I was going to answer it for you? No, I know I'm a fire sign. I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. That means something. I, I wish I knew more. <laughs> I should be more You know, you're a Sagittarius, you're going to die. You're a Gemini, you're going to die. <laughs> 
I think Chris. I think Chris Rock said that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that's, one of his skits. That is, uh, sure. I guess it means something. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's see. What else? What else? Um, I mean, unless okay. So let's just jump. All right. So the main gist of of the series, right? Um, I like to ask people about their motivations, right? Because I feel like we all have a motivation in life to kind of get up and and do it. Like something. Somebody woke you up today and said, all right, you know what, Kenny, I got to get to work and I got to get this thing done because I got a solo show coming up, you know? Like, so what is your motivation to get up every day and make the best of what you do? Hmm. I know that's a big question. That's deep. It is deep, but it's it's real. It connects all of us, you know? Hmm. What is my motivation? I don't think I have one motivation that I think of every day, but I think something that I always go back to um, as a foundation and as a principle for the way that I navigate and move through my life is um, freedom, understanding freedom, and doing my best to embody that on a daily basis and be present within that. Um, so that's like a da- that's like a daily and a regular practice for me. And I think that you know it's easier for me to be. I think it's easier for just the human mind in general to be like negative and to fall into like pessimism and just engage in those conversations but like that that work of doing my best to be positive and optimistic and like look at the situation look at situations in a broad spectrum those are just like things that I think are important um and usually move me through my day but something that motivates me I mean I just I love my work I love, I love every single day. I get so excited when I wake up. I, I walk into my studio and I can't even believe this is my studio. I love the people that I get to work with. I love getting to talk about this work. Um, I mean, my work has really always been at the forefront of my mind for all the things that I do. So, I mean, I think that's a big motivation. Um, and getting to share that is really inspiring and exciting for me. That's good, mm-hmm. yeah. What's oh, your motivation? What is my motivation? Oh, okay. Well, my motivation. <laughs> no, I think about it every day because, so I'm into videography, as you can kind of gauge. So for me, it's like what motivates me is that I like, I'm motivated by creating new things, right? Like pushing myself to the next level. Like I know that I've been, I've been kind of into this videography thing for like since college, so like since 2008, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So for me, it's like, I've seen myself evolve from those beginnings to now, and it's like between the things that I shoot and between the people that I, you know, kind of interact with when it comes to this, um, you know, particularly in this um, series, it's like I'm motivated by the chance to kind of hear people's stories, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that brings us closer together, Mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, particularly, like I'm really attracted to artists because it's like, it's... Just that fact of that you are capable to manipulate things to your vision or your own will, so to speak. You know, I mean, I think we all have the capabilities capabilities of being artists, but obviously it takes skill to like draw. You know, I mean, art art itself is so like subjective in a sense. Like you could go to school for it, but at the end of the day, like school doesn't help you become a better artist. It just teaches you about the craft. It teaches you about like the techniques. By the end of the day, you don't have to go to school for it. You know what I'm saying? It could just be innate in you, and you could kind of just go after it in whatever shape or form that you want to. You know what I mean? And I feel like with artists particularly, it's like just the art of create, just the 
ability to create that innate ability that's so divine you know what i mean like we use our hands to manipulate something into something else that we would never think of mm-hmm. and then people see that and receive that and it's like oh my gosh you know that's so amazing you know i would never think of that because it's once again it's a gift you know what i mean like you have a gift every artist that i've profiled so far has that gift and it's it's just really amazing to see how people are able to harness that you know what i mean mm-hmm. like we all have a gift we all have some type of ability or whatever but it's not everyone's capable of harnessing it you've harnessed it in everything that you create every day as you kind of like come here and you kind of get into the zone and you're, you're in your element that's why i like capturing people in their element because that's where you're at your like purest self you know what i mean mm-hmm. like when you're going to the store you're like all right whatever i'm just going to the store and whatever but when you are actually doing something that you're passionate about like that's that's really an indicator of who you are like mm-hmm. at the core you know Something like that. <laughs> Not like I thought. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's dope. Um, yeah, I think I think that's all the questions I have. Great. You know, this is great. I, I, I'm as I said, like just from the first time I met you till now, it was just like I've kind of seen your work evolve and all these things, and it was just I was really excited to kind of just you know talk to you and and kind of get to know you in your space. This was fun. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is great. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Minutes Heard. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow or subscribe to Minute Made New York on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube. Do you have a minute?